0: There has been a lot of talk this week about where God is in the midst of tragedy. In our desire to eliminate horror and tragedy in this world, we've been looking for the root of evil. Some have said that prayer in schools is the essential piece missing. Some have said that the NRA needs to be eliminated. It has been suggested that armed guards in schools is the solution. There has been a call for more checks on the mentally ill. We are looking for a certain fulcrum that lessens evil and moves our world toward peace. But evil is subversive, weaving itself into complex situations so that it is difficult to tear out without also hurting the innocent and good. When we forget this, we open ourselves to creating a movement that promotes evil in its desire to achieve good. Consider Hitler and his persuasion of people to achieve a perfect race. Perhaps the soil was ripe for this situation because of the budding new understanding of various inherent traits such as personality and brain capacities. In a fiction book that I read that took place in this time period the main character battled depression but she didn't dare tell anyone about it because she would be shunned and perhaps even committed to an institution because of what was considered an imperfection. This was only about 70 years ago, and we know that a perfect race is neither possible nor desirable. The mentally ill still feel vulnerable to stigmatization. Jewish people are still marginalized. We continue to grieve the horror that happened in pursuit of such perfection. We grieve the complicity of good people in what we now know was such an obvious wrong. When we witness or experience such horrors, we wonder where God is in the situation. We have in mind how an all-loving, all-powerful, and good God should act, and we don't witness God's action, and when we don't witness God's action as we imagine it, we wonder if God is who we think God is. Unable to make sense out of any of it, we consider our options. Turn away from God or turn toward God in trust, waiting for something to be made clear. We consider scripture's reminders of God's action, seeing if in the remembering we can keep our eyes open for God to reveal God's self again. This holy season of Advent reminds us of some important characteristics of God. We look to the words of the prophet Isaiah, as found in chapter 53, where the prophet talks about the suffering servant. For he grew up before him like a young plant, the book reads, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him of no account. That's a portion of chapter 53 in the book of Isaiah. We hear of God's action in Mary's song, the Magnificat, which we said together this morning, and is the portion of scripture that follows where the Gospel reading ended. Mary rejoices in God's disregard for the established order of the world, the order that has so often been used to explain God's blessings. The reasoning goes, if you have a lot, then God is on your side. If you have nothing, then you are out of God's favor. But Mary's experience illustrates something different. In words similar to Hannah's song, which are found in 1 first, first Samuel, Mary sings of God's favor toward the lowly servant. Rather than affirm the proud, he scatters them in the imagination of their hearts. Rather than feed those who have gratified themselves with the things of this world, he turns them away. But to those who have nothing, The lowly and the hungry, he tends to them, lifting them up, filling them with good things. It is because he is merciful that he remembers their needs and does not leave them wanting. When I hear these words, I wonder, am I in the path of God's mercy? How am I aware of my own hunger so that I might allow God to fill me? How do I remember my loneliness so that I can allow God to lift me up? This fourth Sunday of Advent reminds us of our right relationship with God. We fear God because God has authority and power beyond our own. God has ways that are beyond our understanding. We fear God, but we are not afraid because we know that God is with the lowly and the hungry. God knows us in our weakest state and does not abandon us there. So in reverence and awe, assured of God's mercy, we can consider our weaknesses and ask God to reveal God's self. Assured of God's mercy, we can sit with others in their weakness and offer them our strength as they wait for God to reveal God's self to them. Assured of God's mercy, we can consider how God's mercy can be made known in this world. This past Wednesday, our three bishops sent out a letter via email to all of the clergy and anyone who's on the diocesan email. Their letter reads, as the three of us prayed together today, We felt compelled to call the Diocese of Connecticut to a time of discernment and action on how all of us can best work to overcome the death-dealing culture of violence that seems to be so prevalent in our society at this time. We believe that this culture of violence has many different expressions, including, but not limited to, legal access to assault weapons lack of appropriate care for those who suffer from mental illness, and all too often underrecognized killing of young people in our city's streets. <clears throat> this is the letter they issued telling us that they will invite us into study and action over the weeks of Lent. On this last Sunday of Advent, just one day before the celebration of Christmas begins, We continue our prayer. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Make us know that you are with us. Lift us from our grief and pain. Tend to our uncertainty and anxiety. Make us mindful of our own needs so that we can be made aware of your ability to tend to them. Make us mindful of our own needs so that we can consider the needs of others. Come, Lord Jesus, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen.